0: It is good to be with you today, um, whether you are joining us online or uh, at one of our campuses today, we are grateful that you would take the time to hang out with us for a little bit as, as we just get to be together and worship together. Um, a quick word about what you just saw um, pertaining mostly to those of you who are able to attend somewhere right now. I, I want to challenge some of you. Um, that you might be willing to help serve our kids. Um, Here's the issue. Some of the folks who normally serve our kids all the time can't be here right now because of health issues for them. And so what I'm saying is maybe during just this season, you know, maybe it's just a few months. Maybe it's you're willing to go for, for you know, uh, the rest of the year, something like that. And I'm not even talking every week, but maybe once a month or every couple of months, you would be willing to help serve our kids to stand in the gap until some of those who serve our kids all the time could be back. That's what the church does. That's what family does. That's what it means to stand in the gap and to stand for one another. So, I make that appeal to you. If you're interested in talking to us about that, we would love um, to visit with you. I think we got uh, some info. You can, you can text this number. This is Don and Andrea Sutcliffe who lead our kids' ministry. You can either text them or you can email them. You got questions, you just want a little bit more info. Um, I would encourage you to take that step, and that's a part of what it means for us to be um, the family of God that helps to take care of each other. You guys doing all right? Doing okay hanging in there? Hanging in there? Uh, I'll let you in a little behind the scenes today. This is one of those days where stuff ain't working. It ain't working. Like power stuff just doesn't come on uh, from internet to lights to you name it. It's one, of those, it's one of those days where the power isn't there. Aren't you glad that there is never a second of your life where God is short of power. Aren't you glad there is never a second of your life where there's a blackout with God? He's always full power and always present. For about 17 years or so, uh, my wife and kids and I, our family lived Uh, Just a few miles south of here. And uh, for 17 years, one of the regular, I'm going to call it unique, regular occurring experiences at that particular home stealth bombers. You say, what do you mean? Here's what I mean. Look, I had always read about the stealth bomber. I mean, when that whole thing was built and and the technology and read about it and looked at pictures of them and all that kind of good stuff. But when we moved into our house out there, all of a sudden there is a particular sound that is associated with a stealth bomber that I learned how to recognize. I could be out in the yard doing whatever and I could hear it and know I learned how to look ahead in certain parts of the sky because on a regular basis, we would see these stealth bombers. We're not all that far from Whiteman Air Force Base. And so, you know, just depending on what was going on in the world at any given time, sometimes we would see them a lot. One day I'm in the backyard. We had a black lab And I'm in the backyard working with him and he's doing some retrieving. And and so I, I, you know, throw the bumper and he's coming back toward me with the bumper. And he got about 10 to 15 yards from where I was and all of a sudden he just stopped dead in his tracks and his head went like this. And I turned around And there was a stealth bomber it felt like it was just gliding over our yard. I mean, it, it was like this complete shadow. I, I, I had never, ever dreamed of being that close. Didn't know if I wanted to be that close. You know you know what I'm saying? It, it, you couldn't hear it. It was just silent, and it, it just literally felt like it covered the entire backyard, and it just glided across the top of us. My head did the same thing that his head did once I saw it. I will never forget that moment, the closest I had ever been, until until the day came that inside a hangar at Whiteman Air Force Base, I and Jason can attest to this because he was there I sat in the cockpit of a stealth bomber. I don't even know really how to put words to what I saw there. Here's the way I would frame it. The day I sat in the cockpit of that stealth bomber and just took in everything that was there in front of me, my view forever changed. My perspective of a stealth bomber forever changed on that day. Today, I want to talk to you about what I know to be one of the most powerful gifts and weapons that you could ever be given. And yet it is my observation that I think with too many followers of God, this gift, this weapon is more of something that, that most people just tend to read a lot about or, or they show up and they hear somebody like me teach about it. So they, they see, they, they, they read about it, they hear about it. Every once in a while they get they get close enough to it because, because maybe they experience firsthand its effect in somebody's life close enough to them, but my prayer today, my prayer today is that God will usher you into the cockpit and that today forever changes your perspective on what you've been given. We're going to be in Nehemiah today and maybe next week too, it looks like. Nehemiah chapter one, I want you to, Uh, Just pick it up in verse three, and then I'll explain the context of what we're dealing with today. They said to me, this is Nehemiah, they said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates have been burned with fire. Now, Nehemiah is... Is an Israelite, but Nehemiah is far from home. But but he's got word that many of God's people, Israel, have now returned back home. They've been living in exile in Babylon, in, in Persia, but now they're headed back home. But it is far from normal back home. The walls are broken down. The capital city is in shambles. Nehemiah gets word of this condition. His people are suffering. What's he gonna do? Verse four. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed. Everybody say prayed. Prayed. I prayed before the God of heaven. When Nehemiah gets word, his first move is to turn to the most powerful gift and weapon that he knows he could ever be given. He prays. In a recent Barna study it appears to communicate that Americans actually still pray you ready for the percentage of Americans that still pray 79 percent I was shocked at that number but wait you want to know what constitutes being prayerful It is if a person has prayed once in the last three hours, no days, no weeks, no months. That's how, that, if, if, if a person has prayed once, whether in a group or by themselves, whether out loud or, or just silently in their own heart, if you as an American have prayed once in the last three months, then congratulations, you're considered by the official survey to be a prayerful individual. And I hope even though I'm sort of smiling, you hear the sadness in my heart. I want you to contrast that with a a story that Francis Chan tells about a time when a friend from India drove him to a speaking engagement. This is what his friend said, you Americans are funny. You won't show up unless there's a good speaker or band. In India, people get excited just to pray. And he went on to describe how how, how believers will just flock together when when there's an announcement, hey, people are going to pray. They they just come together. Francis Chan said, "I, I imagine God looking over this earth and seeing people on one side of the planet gathering expectantly whenever prayer is happening. Meanwhile, on the other side, people only show up when the atmosphere is right. And his conclusion was, Embarrassing, and so my question today is: could, could it be that even though we speak this language of prayer, even though the, the very mention of it, sometimes some people are just ready to check out because they're like, "Yeah, I I, I know what this is," but. Do we understand it or have we misunderstood really what prayer is? Could it be that we've relegated prayer to the sidelines because we have reduced it to less than what it was really intended to be? I'm here to declare to you today, prayer is more. It's more. And I want you to see a little phrase in this verse... It says not only does, does Nehemiah mourn and fast and pray, it says for some days he does so. For, for some days he prayed. Fasting, by the way, is, is to do without something for a purpose. Usually in the Bible, most of the time, fasting is about food. It's about not eating. And the reason they don't eat is because instead of that, taking that time to eat the meal, you instead take that time to pray. The the doing without food, that hunger even drives you to be reminded of the the hunger that we have more for God. That's what fasting's about. It it moves us to pray. Let's keep reading. Check out how Nehemiah does this. Verse five, then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keeps his commandment. And that's a good God right? That's who he's talking to. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes be open to hear the prayer. Your servant is, here we go again, praying before you day and night. Same language. Twice within a couple of verses. It's clear. Nehemiah, he's praying day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. In other words, I want you to start to see prayer for Nehemiah wasn't just this reaction prayer for Nehemiah was wasn't just an an instinctual oh wow this is bad I need to ask God no prayer for Nehemiah was an ongoing continual intentional I'm going to use this word discipline here's the first here's the first truth I want you to see today in understanding that prayer is more Prayer is more than instinctual. Prayer is intentional, right? I encourage you to write some stuff down today so that you can go back and you, as you read back through Nehemiah, prayer is more than instinctual. Prayer is intentional. Now, I'm not saying that prayer is not instinctual. What, what I mean, there are so many people who claim to want to have nothing to do with God But as soon as life pins them against the wall, who do they cry out to? God help me, right? There is this instinctual part where we really were made for him. We were made to call out to him. We were made to love him. And so there is that part. But I'm saying it is more than that. It is more than simply a gut reaction to whatever grief you are going through. It's actually also a structured way of life. And I don't think we talk about this part of prayer enough. And I think it may be why we struggle with it sometimes. The the, the Bible tells us in the book of Acts that those first followers of Jesus, those early followers of Jesus, it uses the word devoted. It says they were devoted to some things and it it lists a few things there in Acts chapter 2. One of the things it says they were devoted to is prayer. Well, once you attach the word devoted to, it means there was some structure to it. It was planned. It was given priority every aspect of the day. Now, come on. Here's the pushback that I tend to get. But Jeff, look, I want prayer. I want prayer to be natural. I want prayer to be spontaneous. I want prayer to be genuine i I want it to be this close conversation between me and God. Then hear me today. I would encourage you then to be more intentional with it. If you want it to be natural, I would encourage you to be intentional and, and I think sometimes we 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 confuse the same thing in other relationships like. Marriage. You ask somebody and they're like, Yeah, I want my marriage to be close, trusted, genuine, enjoyment. Like that, I I want that relationship. But then I watch where that same person who claims to want that is not intentional about going after that. They just sort of have this step back approach that goes, it's just going to happen. My marriage is going to be really close because I'm doing nothing and it's just going to happen. And we look at something like that and we go, no, that, that's not the way it works. We would quickly say, love is about a choice. I don't know how to say that enough times in my lifetime. Love is a choice. Love is not just a feeling. It's not something you fall into and out of, right, like a, like a swimming pool or a high chair. Love is a choice. You choose to devote time. You choose to devote thought. You choose to devote conversation. So think about it. If somebody tells you they only communicate with their spouse when they want something, your reply would be, dude, you're selfish. So if I only communicate with God when I want something, Don't tell me. I'm selfish. So I want to give you some practical, practical suggestions about how you can make prayer more intentional in your life. This is brilliant, okay? Brilliant. This is why I sit in the cockpit of stealth bombers, all right? This is brilliant. How do you make prayer more intentional in your life? Ready? Ready? Make a list. Isn't that brilliant? What do you mean, make a list? I mean, make a list of things to pray for. Make a list. And I'm telling you, the people that you may observe in your life who you would walk away and go, I think those people really pray. Like, I think those people really pray. I'm telling you, most of the time, they have a list because it is just something very practical when you run a list here's how it helps you you can write down a list of things you're thankful for and you can write down a list of things that you're asking for it it helps me to make sure I'm actually doing both you know what I'm saying because most of the time my tendency is to lean toward what Asking for. And there's nothing wrong with asking. But at the same time, even what we see from Nehemiah, man, he's quick to say, God, here's how good you are, and here's your love that is unending. I mean, he's declaring who he knows God to be. When I'm thanking God for things, I'm declaring how good that I know him to be. When you make a list, you can actually put request and you could put thankfulness. Don't be afraid to ask. For some of you, you need to put on the list, God, help me to focus when I pray. Go ahead and ask him. Make a list. Let me give you a second one, and then we're going to talk about schedule times to pray. Schedule some times to pray. Today, I I want to encourage you that that if you're not scheduling any times to pray in your life, I would challenge you that two times a day is not too much to start with. And obviously, the the thing that I would recommend is it's a great way to start your day and a great way to end your day, all right? Now, hold on, because I got more than this. I'm just saying if you have no scheduled times to pray, I would encourage you to start your day and to end your day that way. But know that the point is when you schedule those times to pray, it is more likely that those two times a day are going to turn into three times a day when you realize an opportunity and four times a day and five times a day. It it really does help to grow you. Now, Scripture, the Bible, plays a huge part in us learning to pray. All right, we don't, we don't just pray by us, just going, how you want to pray? I don't know, what do you think? No, we, we go to the Bible, we go to scripture. Next week, we're gonna actually keep going with this and, and we're gonna take a look, uh, e- even from Nehemiah, uh, at, at more of that issue. This week though, I'm just encouraging those of you who have never put this into play, start here, make a list and schedule some time. Here's the response. But Jeff, that just feels so mechanical. And here's my response. So what? So what? It it just feels so mechanical. If I make a list, it feels like I'm, you know, I'm, 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 I'm scheduling the time. This this feels so mechanical. I'm saying love is a choice. It's a choice. If you want to learn to naturally just pray about everything. You're like, I want to be one of those people where like everything I say, I'm praying. In every situation, I'm, I'm praying. Every, every time a, a question arises, a decision needs to be made, a, a need to be met, I want to be one of those people that just naturally prays about everything. Then I'm saying today, make a decision to start making a list that will teach you to think that way. You will grow in that direction. It's the same way with scheduling time. If you want to learn to pray all throughout the day, make a decision to start with scheduling sometime to teach you to do that. And I'm saying that our heritage, our brothers and sisters who have walked this out before us, the Bible is clear. It was this faithful, plodding, intentional prayer. Yeah, it's instinctional. But it's also intentional. And it's where some of us never quite step because we're afraid it's mechanical. It won't be mechanical long. It won't. Let's keep let's keep going. Verse 6. I want to show you something else. Nehemiah says, "I confess The sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you gave your servant Moses. So Nehemiah is praying. And, and it's interesting language, he's praying for the sins of who? Like everybody. And at first we go, well, that's weird. That's weird. But it's not weird in light of what we've been reading in God's story since the beginning of the year. We saw a guy named Job who was praying for his children. Even before they did something, he's like, I'm praying for my kids in case they like don't make this decision. He's praying for these kids. Moses is praying for a nation who has sinned against God. And when they pray, it's as though they are taking ownership of the wrong that's taking place around them. I think since we already would admit that a lot of us struggle to take time to pray, it's easy to recognize that when we do take the time to pray, guess who's usually the focus of our prayers? Me. If I'm already struggling to give the time, then when I do give the time, then often the focus of it can be me. And there is room for that. But what we learn from Nehemiah, second principle I want you to see today, prayer is more than individual. Prayer is intercessional. Prayer is more than individual, it is intercessional. This praying for one another, it's what a parent can do for your kids. It's what a spouse can do for, for a wife, a husband. It, it, it's what you can do as a friend, a brother, a child, as, as an American. I mean, you, you, you name it, we, you can pray for one another. Now, don't misunderstand what's happening here. Every person... Is accountable to God for their own sin. All right? In other words, I can't turn to God for you. You can't turn to God for somebody. You can't repent for somebody else. This is a personal relationship with God. Each person is accountable, right, to God. But intercessional prayer, like, like we see Nehemiah doing here, is, is simply to recognize, you know what? I got some people around me that I care about a lot, and they are marching down a path of destruction. There is some sin here that, that needs to be confessed, and they need to turn to God. Sometimes I'm looking at people that I love and I'm going, God, they got needs in their life. There's some needs, okay? We're not talking sin now, we're, we're talking, but they've got real hurts and, and struggles in their life. It is to look around me, the people that I see, sometimes it's sin that needs to be confessed, sometimes it's needs that need to be met, and I'm saying on their behalf, God, I'm going to go to you depending on your grace and your mercy until the moment that they can recognize they need your grace and your mercy. That's beautiful. That sounds a whole lot like Jesus. When he starts doing that work in your heart, where you're spending as much time praying for other people as we are asking for ourselves, And nothing wrong with asking for ourselves. He tells us to do that. But man, how beautiful of that. By the way, there are some, I call it, there's side effects when you start praying for other people that way. A few side effects that I think are very real. You remember names more, by the way. Just something I've learned. You start praying for people and fighting for people on their behalf. It's amazing how suddenly you can remember their name. It's because when you fight for somebody, hmm, you'll remember their names more. You really will. It's interesting. Another one, you, you become kinder. You really do. When you start praying for other people in their struggles and, and in their sin, you again, you fight for them, whether it's your family, your friends, or total strangers, or, or get this, even political leaders. Hmm suddenly suddenly it'll get harder to gossip it'll get harder to criticize even though you may not agree even though you may not agree it will become harder to do those things when you are fighting for them instead of against them third you'll you'll become more trusted because when you pray for others in that way, you will be amazed at how God then starts to usher your actions to follow that, the, those prayers. And once people actually begin to know and believe that you really do battle for them, you really do pray for them, they will trust you more. Okay, Jeff, so uh, how do I start this though? How, how, do I, how do I pray interceding for other people? Well, let's just make this super, super practical. If you've got an intentional prayer system in place, which I mean you got a list and you got some scheduled times, here's what I would recommend for some of you this week. Once a week, once a week, just text, call, whatever you want to do. Let's start with two people. There are two people, you you would call them friends, people that you care about. This week, you're gonna text two people and just say, how can I pray for you this week? Once they get up off the ground, because because nobody ever does that for them. Nobody ever does that for them. But suddenly, somebody's calling that doesn't want anything but just wants to know, hey, this week, I feel like just God wants me to pray for you. Anything I can pray for you? Now, respect what they tell you. If they don't tell you anything, don't don't turn this into some, right, big spotlight and you're trying to drag whatever out of them. Don't, Don't do that. A part of being trusted is going, okay, you just take what they give you. But if you actually pray for them, you'll be surprised how over time trust will be built. Isn't that brilliant? I'm telling you, that's why I sit in stealth bombers. Ask, just ask somebody, hey, how how can I pray for you this week? What's going on this week? Anything wrestling with this week? Uh, Anything you think you need this week? And I'll pray for you this week. When they tell you, write it on your list. Write it on your list and work them in that prayer schedule. Having an intentional structure makes so much of this so much easier. It's not, uh, you'll find it, it. not only will you be intentional with it, but you'll become interruptible because suddenly, again, if you're calling people and asking, how can I pray for you? Suddenly, your, your mindset and your actions are changing how you see people. You will be shocked at not very long. You will just suddenly start picking up on things not even having to ask, but you hear people say things and you're like, they need to be prayed for. You, you'll hear people say something in a certain way. It sounds like they're hurting it, it sounds like they're struggling. You're like, hey, can I pray for you? All of a sudden, this doesn't feel so mechanical anymore. The reason it's not mechanical is because you were intentional. And now God's actually shaping your heart and your attention and your focus. And now you really are hearing and seeing like he hears and he sees. Isn't that cool? Let me give you one more. Verse 11, verse 11. Nehemiah says, Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this, your servant, and to the prayer of your servants. Check out this line. Who delight in revering your name. God, let let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. Nehemiah is talking about being in the presence of the king as he's asking to be able to act on behalf of what his people are experiencing. What, what we're going to talk about here, I believe, this is the way I, I would call it just the ultimate in really understanding prayer. Here's, here's what I want you to see. Prayer is more. Prayer is more than meeting our needs. Prayer is magnifying God's name. That's what Nehemiah just showed us. Now, is it meeting? Is it about meeting our needs? Yes, it is. Don't, don't hear me saying that it's one instead of the other. I, I'm just saying it's more than just meeting our needs. Prayer is magnifying God's name. And I'm telling you, this issue answers the why behind so many questions that I have about prayer, right? So I often evaluate prayer on how God gives me what I ask for. That's how I tend to evaluate prayer. It's like, how's your prayer going? Well, this is what I'm asking for, but God ain't giving it, right? This is what I'm asking for, but I'm not seeing it yet. I, I evaluate prayer according to how God gives me what I'm asking for. Did he answer my prayer? That's how I would phrase it. But what often happens in those moments is when I'm asking for something, for me, that's the biggest thing in view. It's why I'm asking for it. I think it's a big deal. It feels like this is what needs to happen. This is what needs to get met. When I'm asking for that, it is the big thing in my viewfinder. My problem is sometimes I let that thing be larger than my view of God. I elevate my need above the greatness of God. Now, this is something that we can trace all the way through Scripture. Jesus taught really clearly on this. We just tend not to see it because we focus on the parts that we like. Okay, Jesus teaches us to pray. Jesus, how are we supposed to pray? What did we learn from what Jesus taught us how to pray? Give us this day our daily bread. That's the part I like. Give us this day. Our daily bread. I can ask him for for needs every day. He says I can ask. But I'm gonna remind you that that part comes after some other things. Because this is how he actually started, right? Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That sounds like what Nehemiah was praying. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And eventually we get to, and God, give us today our daily bread. But here's my point. When I start with God, I want your great name to be known. I realize that your greatness God it trumps everything else that I perceive to be a big deal in this world. God, I want you to bring about on earth what what, what right now is being going on in heaven god your your kingdom come god I, I want to see your will done in light of that your great name and your perfect will now. I ask, God, will you grant this? But I'm expecting you to answer, God, in light of your great name and your perfect will. In other words, when I pray, sometimes I pray and God doesn't exactly answer the way that I asked. Like, did he hear me? Did, I, did he hear me? No, sometimes God gives me what I would have asked for If I knew all that he knows, sometimes instead of what I'm asking for, God gives me what I would have asked for if I knew everything that he knows. In other words, I don't know a time that you pray that you don't either get what you pray for or something better. If this is about his great name and this is about his perfect will, that even when I walk away from a circumstance going, I prayed for this, but this is not how it worked out, my conclusion is even though I can't see it and it's okay for me to go, God, I don't get it, is better. It's how he operates. God tells us to pray our wants and needs being shaped by his word. And next week, we're going, to talk about, we're going to talk about that some more. Look, in case you haven't figured it out yet, prayer is not just something that's confined to a list or confined to a scheduled moment. The way God designed this thing, it's the life that prays it's the life that prays. What i mean by that is it's supposed to be your entire life. All the the breath that god gives you is this constant communication where i'm looking for him and i'm listening for him and there are moments that there are sometimes that i'm just going, "Okay, God, what is that? God, God, will you give me wisdom to know how how to how to love this person? God, will you will you help me understand what's going on?" It's just this constant life of depending, of leaning in, of going, "God, what you've given me, this is more beautiful this is more powerful than anything else I could ever dream of. This is a life dependent on you. Every thought, every decision, every action that's anchored in the request that God, your great name and your perfect will would be known. There's so much about prayer that is just absolutely phenomenal. One of the questions that I get sometimes, but Jeff, does my praying really make a difference? Does my praying really make a difference? Because if God's got a plan, then do I really need to pray? Like if God's got a plan, do I, do I need to pray? And that's kind of a whole talk in and of itself, but I'm just gonna end this way today and tell you that the more I study God's word, the more I'm convinced that even our prayers are a part of God's plan just as surely as he plans the events that he performs in the answer to our prayers Our prayers are a part of his plan. I don't think God sets the the world's plans in motion and then just wonders, hey, is anybody actually gonna pray according to my plans? No, I'm telling you, the more I read God's word, a part of his planning for the world is, is the praying of his people for what he plans to do. I'm gonna give you one quick picture. Maybe we'll do a talk on this one day. In the last book of the Bible, very last book of the Bible, it's called Revelation, there's a couple of chapters in Revelation where God's people's prayers, you're given this imagery, they are gathered. And the description is they're gathered in bowls. You can read it. And I love the picture here of what seems to be this imagery of, we think about prayers like, does God hear me, does he not? And he's going, oh, I got it. Literally this imagery of him going, when my people pray, it's like, it's like prayers that are accumulating in a bowl. I think he's just drawing that, that picture. Look, this matters to me. And, and a part of the picture in Revelation is it's this, this incense that, that is this beautiful aroma to him, right? Do we understand that even when we go, I don't know if I'm praying right, do you know that when you call out to God with this genuine heart that says, God, I want to love you right, I want to walk this out right, I want to ask for right things, you you understand there is this beautiful aspect of that. God loves Loves for you to pray. He delights in you praying. There is just something mind-blowing about the fact that the creator of the universe delights in you and I praying. And he's going, come on in, come on in. I want you to sit right here in the cockpit and I want you to get a view. He's, he's ushering us into This process, what happens eventually in the book of Revelation is those bowls are poured out. And when the prayers of the people are poured out, on earth the final purposes of God will be achieved. And I believe there is imagery there. Our prayers are a part of the causality of the final victory of God. In other words, God means for our prayers to be a part. That's why he says pray. I'm saying this, God is not toying with you when he says pray. He doesn't do that. He's not toying with you when he says pray and then you're sitting back going, I wonder if this really makes any difference or is God just appeasing me? You know what I mean? Is he just, no, he's not toying with you. I'm telling you, God is actually granting you the value of joining with him in glorifying his great name as part of the cause that all that he does. It matters because prayer is more than you have ever dreamed it to be. Sometimes I feel like in the American church, prayer happens when circumstances demand it. When it finally gets bad enough, we pray a little more. In the American church, it seems like sometimes prayer is mostly for ourself. It seems like prayer is mostly for our desire. But in the Bible, what prayer really looks like, it's more than instinctual. It's intentional. It's more than individual. It's intercessional. It's more than meeting our needs. It is magnifying God's name. And listen to me. It's not just for the elite. It's not just for the good enough. It's for those who will pray. I'm going to pray for you right now. And then we're just going to take a couple of songs and hang out a little bit before we we exit today. But I want to encourage you not to see the next couple of songs as just songs to be sung. I want to encourage you to see the next couple of songs as an opportunity to connect with the God who is right here Who loves to hear your heart? When you're singing a truth about Him, go ahead and just go, Yeah, God, that's you. God, I'm grateful for what. When you, I encourage you to take this time as you sing, pray. God, I thank you. I thank you for this beautiful gift. God, this most powerful weapon. Maybe, God, it is the the issue of so much of our culture. In our busyness, we miss the most beautiful things. God, today I'm asking that the truth of your word could be brought alive in our hearts Uh, that today would just be more than a reading of something, a hearing about something, but today, God, could be the beginning of you ushering us into the cockpit, a view that changes forever our perspective on prayer. God, for some folks here today, it is simply, God, will you give us... (laughs) enough devotion this week to start a list and to schedule some time and to quit making excuses about it being mechanical and trust God this is a choice and the greatest choice we can make is knowing you God now may we hear your voice may we sense your presence and may you lead us your people to pray.